0: Stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reineck. And this week I'm going solo to talk about the lessons from the best performing stocks in the S&P 500 over the last 30 years. Now that's kind of a mouthful there. But I'm covering the large caps over the last 30 years. Who knocked it out of the park during that amount of time? You might have seen this list because I saw it on Charlie Bellello's Twitter feed and um, I was moved by it to write it down, um, all the information that he put in there because I like to look at these lists of the best performers because it does really tell you a lot of things about your own investing and what you're doing with your own portfolio as well as what has worked in the past. And Charlie, if you don't know, is the founder and CEO of Compound Capital Advisors. I really recommend following him on Twitter. I'm going to link to his Twitter feed in the article to this podcast. And um, he also has a free newsletter, too, if you want to check that out. But he posts these interesting lists that um, are a reminder, I think, that while investing may seem easy, especially in times of bull markets like we're in right now, it's not always easy. And um, these longer outlooks tell you a little bit more like I said about what your investing style is like and how you can grow your investment grow your wealth through stock investing Um, but the interesting thing also about this this list is that I don't recall seeing a 30 year list in in forever i've seen you know the 10 year list the 20 year list especially given that we just finished 2020 a lot of people putting out the 20 year list but this was the first 30 year list and so this encompasses like 1990 through 2020 and um, i wrote down some of the things that happened during this time period so we had five us presidents we had two middle east wars we had two impeachment trials There were several domestic terror attacks, including 9-11. There were four recessions and the Cubs won the World Series. All this happened in the last 30 years and more, even more things than just that short list. So there's a lot of things going on. And I know many of you listening right now might think, hey, I wasn't even born in 1990 or if you are a little bit older, you know, you weren't even investing by 1990 yet. If you're Gen X, you maybe only got into investing during the dot com boom years because that's when E Trade launched and we could easily do investing on our computers from home for cheaper costs than what it used to cost. It, this just give you a little bit of perspective. In the early 1990s, I had a Payne Weber account. That was one of the brokerages at the time. And it cost me $50 to do any kind of trade in it. So yeah, pretty much you weren't trading if it was $50. And I had to buy in increments of like 25, 50, 75 or 100 shares. I couldn't just say, hey, I want five more shares of this. No. Um, It was like a lot more difficult. So many investors in the 80s and the 90s were buying mutual funds like Fidelity's Magellan Fund, which was run by superstar portfolio manager Peter Lynch. So the the star portfolio managers were big in the 80s into the 90s, even up through the dot com boom. But then we had day trading uh, begin and abilities to trade again on your home computer using something like E-Trade finally exploded in the late 90s. So a lot of these stocks that are on this list of 30 years, um, you know, most people weren't even able to invest, weren't born yet or, or any of that. But it tells you how far back we are really going. But what if you did buy and hold these stocks for all those years through all those events? This list has some interesting names on it. Some you might think would be on there given what we have lived through over the past uh, you know even 10 years and given the hot stocks of the last 10 years you might think you know what's at the top but uh, there were again some interesting names on there that are a reminder about how difficult investing really is. And um, a couple other lessons that I feel we can really take from even just just by looking at this list. So let's dive in on what some of those lessons are. And I'm gonna uh, be talking about the big winners from the list as we go along with some of these lessons. So, so the first lesson really is that holding for decades can work to build wealth. I know that sounds maybe, um, you know, something you've heard many times before. Yeah, yeah, buy, hold, own for a long time. But it really does work when you look at this list. Now, right now, the average holding time for most investors in a stock is 18 months. So we're talking about 30 years here versus 18 months. So most investors don't even make it to two years in a stock, let alone five, let alone 10 or 20 or, you know, 30. I I don't own a stock for 30 years. So 30 is is pretty long time to be in anything. Uh, But you need to be in something so that uh, for a length of time so that the compounding of the gains can really uh, do its work and add up to the magic of investing in stocks. So the best performing stock on this list of the last 30 years, and maybe you heard this, maybe you saw Charlie's tweet, or you heard him talking about it on TV, was Monster Beverage. Yeah, they're still around. Ticker M N S T, M as in Mary, NST. So they IPO'd after 1990. They IPO'd in August of 1995. So it hasn't even been a full 30 years, only 25 years. And yet they take the top slot. So They, if you had bought on the IPO, uh, the stock has returned, are you ready? 295,805%, or 37% annualized during that 25 year time period. And to put it in a different perspective, if you had put $10,000 into Monster at the IPO, it uh, was worth, after 25 years, $29.59 million. Uh, most people probably wouldn't have had $10,000 in 1995. That was a nice chunk of change in 1995. Even today, that's a nice chunk of change, right? So let's say you put $1,000 in. Again, it would be worth $2.95 million um, right now. But you had to guess right. You had to guess like, hey, this monster beverage st- Company sounds good. I'm getting in right here, right when it launches. And obviously it hasn't gone straight up during the 25 years, no stock has. And I even just took a look at the last five years and there were several 20% or more drops in the last five years for Monster, even though it um, is now at a, a five year high on the chart. So you would have to have a lot of guts to buy hold and to never sell most do not which is why you know giving these numbers out of 10,000 invested is 29 million because that's the rare one person maybe who holds it on ho- holds on all that time but it can tell you what can be possible if you buy and hold for longer periods of time and allow the compounding to work Okay, so a second lesson, and this is uh, taken even just right from the first stock, is you have to be diverse. You can't place all your chips on the one horse. So I know there's a lot of stories out there right now, and as I'm recording this in late January 2021, the big story is GameStop and the huge surge in those stock. that stock, um, some people put in like 55000 and now they have $11 million in the course of just literally several months, not 25 years. But that is putting all your chips onto one horse. Most investors, 99.9% of investors are better off spreading out their chips. And trying to get at least one, if not maybe, if you're lucky, two winners, huge winners in there. So in the 1990s, during that bull market, remember, it was a great bull market starting in 1982, but in the 90s, also phenomenal, um, heading into the end of the 1990s where you started to see, you know, the NASDAQ up over 80% in a single year, things like that. But there were a lot of big cap s&p 500 winners that made people basically rich in the 1990s there was a lot of talk of you know certain types of millionaires now there were like the microsoft millionaires some of those actually worked at microsoft so they had stock options and then they became rich by the end of that decade but there were others that uh got into the right things at the right time so for instance General Electric, GE, was a huge winner in the 1990s. From January 2nd, 1990 to January 3rd of 2000, those shares were up 731%. Pfizer, which I've talked about before in several podcasts during the 1990s, it's my poster child for the 1990s, Pfizer, ticker PFE, was up 1,036%. Merck, Um, ticker MRK, also up big 552.9%. So all of these were big winners in the 1990s. So over 10 years, next 20 years were not good. Let's just put it that way. Um, It it was not good. So Merck over the next 20 years was up 2.2% total. That's not not annualized. Now, this doesn't include the dividends, but just based on the chart, just up 2.2%. And I've talked about Pfizer's dismal performance. It's up 9%. Again, not an annualized rate, just up 9%. GE, we all know that that's hit a trouble in the last couple of years, and that is actually down 73%. Again, none of this includes dividends, which does improve the uh, picture for investors if they had bought and held. But a lot of them who thought they were on their way to huge, huge riches after owning through that 10-year time period, if they stayed in, have uh, not, not turned out all that great for them over the course of these 30 years. So lesson number three. What works one decade may not work much later. So, industries change, management changes, new technologies and leaders in certain areas emerge. And we all know those stories, right? We all know there's a reason there's no Borders bookstore. They shut down t- 10 years ago, a decade ago, because of pressures from Amazon and online book selling. So, you have to really pay attention uh, to what you're owning when you're a long-term investor and you have to rethink your companies literally every year with an open mind. Is it still doing what you hoped it would? Is uh, it still growing revenue? Is it still growing earnings? What does its business future look like? Is it a mature growth company or um, you know, a new newer growth company? Who are its competitors? Another uh, area that's not on the 30 of the best performers list for the last 30 years is energy. So many of you might know the story of my grandmother who owned Exxon stock since 1972. I've talked about it on prior podcasts. She did not sell all of her shares. She sold, I think some of it during the time period over the years to like, you know, buy, buy some things, but she always held some shares, but her sister, my great aunt, uh, never sold and has held on to her shares. They inherited them from my great grandfather. And she is uh, still with us and has held since 1972. Now, they didn't get a lot of shares when they inherited because it had to be split among uh, numerous siblings. So I never could find out from either my grandma or my great aunt exactly how many shares it was back in the day. They they like looked at me with a blank look. They had no clue, but it was not that many. It's not like each of them got 100 shares, no. But uh, over the years, my great aunt, that has compounded Now, Exxon, as I said, is not on this list of the best performers of the last 30 years. So I took a look to see kind of where it broke down. So from 1990 to 2000, that first 10 years, shares were up considerably up 252%. But since 2000 through 2020, they're up just 14.8%. That's total, that's not annualized. By 2014, however, uh, if you had held those 14 years, it was up 150%. That's when oil went up over $100 a barrel. Uh, Energy was really surging, but then we had the oil bust of 2015, and that hit the industry hard, hit all the oil stocks. And then the 2020 coronavirus pandemic And that stock crash wiped out another huge chunk of Exxon's gains. It was down another 75%. So most of the 15-year gains to start this century were wiped out in just the last year, essentially. A lot lot of it was. Now, my great-aunt was not wiped out because she has owned since 1972. She's gotten the dividend. She's reinvested it. So that has compounded. So, it's not all been for naught, right? Um, I actually did check on Yahoo Finance, and since January 1st, 1972, up and through 2020, um, so to start here in 2021, she's up still 1,906%. But up through 2014, before the collapse in the industry over the last five years and in these stocks, she would have been up 4,268%. So that's much better, it's not near anything that's on the top 30 of this list, but you're doing okay if you had stayed in there through 2014, but this goes back to our first lesson about diversification, and hopefully, Exxon is not the only stock she owns, and I know that it isn't. So she has other investments, so if one falters, she's in others that um, you know might not be faltering. So that's key lessons. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what about all those tech titans? Because I mentioned the Microsoft millionaires from the 1990s, where do they fit in on the 30 year chart? Because some of them you would think have to be in there, right? Like if everyone's becoming a millionaire in the 1990s off Microsoft, you would think Microsoft would make this list. So the tech titans from the 1990s that everyone was investing in, there were four of them, and they were Intel, INTC, Cisco, CSCO, Microsoft, MSFT, and Dell, D-E-L-L. Now Dell went private during this time period after the 1990s, and now has reemerged again as a public company. So. They're messed up, and I can't really track track them easily. But I can uh, we can track the others, and only two out of those four make the list of the best thirty, and they are Cisco and Microsoft. So Intel doesn't even make the list, even though it was one of the go go stocks of the nineteen nineties. So I took a look at Cisco. It's number eighteen out of the thirty best performers of the last thirty years, and It is, uh, it IPO'd in February of 1990. So, almost exactly right when the list starts, is when it IPO'd. Shares are up 37,963%, or 21.9% annualized. So, $10,000 invested in Cisco's IPO uh, at the end of 2020 was worth $3.8 million. And Cisco started paying a dividend. Um, little over a decade ago in the mid 2000s I want to say but up until then it had not been paying a dividend so you would get the extra benefit of having a dividend in there but Cisco is not one of the more popular of the tech stocks and um, hasn't been for some time but if you were a long term investor in it you've done okay um, better than okay actually um, Microsoft is the other one. I thought Microsoft might be higher on this list than where it was of the top 30, um, given what it did in the 1990s, but it shows up at 24. So they went IPO in March of 1986. So they had the full 30 years on this list. They had an incredible 1990s, but from ni- from 2000 to 2013, uh, the stock didn't go very far and only re hit those 2000 highs by 2013 Um, has been doing better in recent years. So maybe that's what helped to propel it on to this list again. So it's up 33,256% over the last 30 years or 21.4% annualized. So a $10,000 investment at uh, in 1990, not on their IPO because they IPO in 86, but in 1990 was worth $3.3 million um, at the end of 2020. So some surprises about the, the list, including like Microsoft was a surprise, but other surprises, Amazon, you're probably wondering where did they show up? Now, they didn't go IPO until 1997. So, you know, fairly... Far into this 30 year time period, but that didn't stop them. They are number two on the list. Let me consult, getting the list out. Um, so they're number two. They're up 217,028%. So $10,000 invested in 1997 on their IPO, because you would have had to invest when they went public here, is worth $21.7 million. And that's annualized. percent but remember just like Microsoft these shares didn't go anywhere for most of the first decade of the year so it's even more impressive what's been happening with their overall return in these 23 years because it was slow going there for numerous years Um, another surprise is Kansas City Southern is number six on the list a railroad And it went IPO in November 1962. So this is the oldest one on the list. And these shares are up 84,714% in the last 30 years. That's annualized 25.2% for the old economy, the railroad. $10,000 invested in 1990 gives you $8.4 million if you didn't sell. They do pay a dividend. So again, those two, two and a half, three percent dividend yields can pay off if you compound it over 30 years. Um, other surprises. Lowe's is on the list they show up at number 30 Lowe's ticker L-O-W number 30 but Home Depot does not and that uh, kind of uh flips the story a bit right because Home Depot has been the better performer in the last decade uh certainly the last couple of years than Lowe's has been so you might think that it would be Home Depot that would be on here not Lowe's but no Lowe's is on the list They went public in 1979, December 1979. Uh, Their return is 29,191% over the last 30 years or 20.8% annualized. That's $2.9 million if you put $10,000 in. Um, A couple other interesting ones, Starbucks, they made the list at number 20, ticker SBUX. They went public just after this list started In June of 1992, they're up 36,723 percent, or 23 percent annualized. So 10,000 in their IPO would give you 3.6 million uh, today. So that's not too shabby off that IPO, right? But interestingly, McDonald's, which I expected to be on here, that did not make the list. But again, this is just the top 30. And the 30th one, which is Lowe's that I just mentioned, had annualized average return of 20.8%. So I'm sure there's some of these great companies that are just below the 30 mark here, and that are still seeing these really high double digit annualized returns. Now about that, and maybe this is the final lesson out of this list is that you only need one winner. You only needed to own Monster or Amazon Or the number three, which is Jack Henry, ticker J-K-H-Y. That was up 194,233% or 28.7% annualized. So you only needed to own one of these to make your portfolio outperform because even an 8% annualized return will double your money in nine years. If you can get 10%, You're doubling it in 7.2 years. So Monster again, 37% annualized. That's how you ended up at 29.59 million over 30 years, annualizing that gain, compounding it every year. And compounding does work the longer you're compounding it, as many of us know. Now, um, if you're just looking at the annualized gains on this list, it's a little different than what comes up as number one, because some of the companies went IPO after 1990. And so their annualized gains might be slightly better than what their overall 30 year total is because they weren't in it 30 years. So annualized winner is not monster at 37 percent, though that's It's still up there, Monsters, still up there, even on the annualized. But on the annualized list, let me consult my my papers here. Netflix is number one at 39.7%. It shows up at number 12 on the overall list, up 50,133% since its IPO in 2002. So 10,000 into the into netflix on its ipo would have been five million dollars um now so netflix still at the winner there amazon is number two at 38.4 monster as i mentioned number three at 37 percent number four still one of the popular darlings on wall street nvidia at 30.7 percent. ticker there's nvda And number five, Cognizant, that's up 29.5% and let me consult, where do they show up on the list? Um, Cognizant on the overall list, where are they? Uh, 22, ticker CTSH, they went public in June of 1998 but their annualized is 29.5%. Again, you don't need to do annualized at 29.5% for all your stocks to have your wealth grow, to do well. As I said, you need 10% to double every 7.2 years. So anything over that um, is really making your money work. And don't forget, that dividends can really boost returns. Now Netflix, it's impressive because it does not and has never paid a dividend, still getting those huge annualized gains. But for most other companies, the little boost you get from the dividend yield, either 2% or 3% really adds up when it's compounding year after year after year. So think about that 10% annualized, you need to double your money in 7.2 years. And think about if your company pays a 3% dividend, you only need 7% to get to that 10%. It makes it a little bit easier to get to that uh, double digit return where then your compounding can really take off. And you can really start to grow your portfolio and grow your wealth. And remember, These 30 names on this list are 30 out of 500. This is the S&P 500, not the Russell small caps, not the mid caps, not the triple Qs, not the Dow. This is just the S&P 500. So there's a lot of companies in that 500. Some didn't survive all 30 years on that list. They might have gone bankrupt or they just got kicked off. You know, we just added Tesla to the S&P 500, but something had to leave to make the space for Tesla to, to join in. So these are just the top 30 names. It tells you how difficult it is to find the big winners, not to mention to hold on to them. And even if you find a big winner like a GE in the 1990s, which seemingly had everything going for it, same with Pfizer and Merck doesn't mean it can keep the track record that it had in prior years. Same advice with all these stocks now, with the top five annualized, doesn't mean because they were the winners in the prior decades that they will be going forward. So keep all those things in mind and try to be diverse as possible when you're finding your stocks. But the biggest lesson of all out of this list is that it's about time, time that you have to hold these stocks to to get to these levels of annualized returns. It's about compounding that gain year after year after year through the ups and downs, through the recessions, through the coronavirus sell-off, through whatever sell-off is coming and one will be coming again even possibly here in 2021. And, um, you know, that's the key to being an investor, not just a trader. An investor is in it for the long haul, trying to own the greatest companies in the world for long periods of time where you can compound those gains. So keep that in mind. Uh, But I love these lists and I'm probably going to do some more podcasts On the power of compounding because it is so much fun right and I have to check in with my great aunt to see what's going on with the rest of her portfolio that's still compounding as uh, again she's been an investor for nearly 50 years now in um, several things not just ExxonMobil so um, that's always fun and it's uh, it'll be fun for you long-term investors out there, too, once you reach even like a five-year time period, five, ten years, you really start to see the fruits of your labor, hopefully. So let me repeat a lot of the tickers I talked about on the show, and there were a lot of them, so I'm just going to lay them all out there. Monster is the winner for the last 30 years, M-N-S-T. Then I talked about G-E. G-E is the ticker. Pfizer's PFE, Merck is M-R-K, Exxon, X-O-M, Intel, I-N-T-C, Cisco, C-S-C-O, Microsoft, M-S-F-T, Dell, D-E-L-L, Amazon, A-M-Z-N, Kansas City Southern, K-S-U, Lowe's is L-O-W, Home Depot is hd uh starbucks sbux mcdonald's mcd netflix nflx then i added oh what is the other one let me get it um nvidia nvda and cognizant ctsh There's a lot of other ones on the list I didn't cover. Um, There are some other retailers too, so don't overlook the retail sector. Um, Let me just throw in one other one because I am thinking about it at the moment. Number five on the list was Best Buy, ticker BBY. It went public in 1987. Total gains over the 30 years, 105,277% or 26.1% annualized it was supposed to be defeated by Amazon, right? Supposed to be crushed down, um, but it was not. It survived and is now thriving. Amazon's number two on the list, Best Buy number five, but other ones, Circuit City, they went under. They're not on this list. So Amazon did defeat some of the others um, that did not survive and make the list. So Don't rule out a lot of retailers because, again, some of them make the list, especially when they're fairly new or early in their incarnation. And, uh, you know, some of their popularity and the big growth as they expand across the country or internationally now, as many companies do, can really spur spur that growth over the first, you know, decade or two of It's a public life as a publicly traded company. So keep that in mind. Um, But again, I'll be doing some more podcasts on the power of compounding and who these big winner stocks are. How can you find them? How can you stay in them once you do find one, because that's the key, right? It's so hard to stay in. So you want to be sure to subscribe because I'm going to be uh, covering all these topics and more on the Market Edge and also on the Value Investor Podcast. I do do two podcasts every week. Make sure you're subscribing to both. You can get both if you subscribe on SoundCloud, but I know many of you are on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so they are standalone shows on each of those platforms. So be sure to look for the Zach's Market Edge on Spotify and Apple and also the Value Investor podcast on Spotify and Apple. Subscribe to both. Get both every week and get some more stock, stock picks and ideas. So I will see you again next week with some more stocks.